0: My friends, the great experiment. Love is the answer. Here,
1: Trinket Trinket. Would you look at that? The greatest Trinket Trinket. two people, you're all astronauts. Are some kind of Star Trek. The greatest trick trek,
0: Trinket Trinket. Welcome to Greatest Trek. It's a new, very short Star Trek podcast from the very short members of the greatest generation. I'm Ben Harrison.
2: You're commenting on the length of our members
0: <laughs> in our
2: show open. That's great. Yeah. i Adam Pranica. <laughs> I'll have no comments about my member at this
0: time. <laughs> I'm getting a lot of questions about my member that are answered by my t-shirt about my member. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, back with more uh, more very short treks. Very excited. We're in the back half. The last three of them. Yeah.
2: You got to end strong if you're very short treks, right? And after that kind of beginning, my expectations are really high.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to to get into and talk about these a little bit more. Do you want to? Uh, do you want to just jump right in? Cut a short Marin. Let's do it, Ben. With the first
2: of the last three of these very short treks. Uh, once again, you can find these on YouTube on the Star Trek YouTube profile. This one's called Worst Contact. It's directed by Aaron Hawkins and written by Casper Kelly.
1: You know the greatest danger facing us is an irrational fear of the unknown. You forgot to add the song.
0: I, I mean, they they did some gross out stuff in the previous episode, the the holiday one, but uh, worst contact might be the grossest thing that the Star Trek Industrial Complex has ever put out. You thought
2: Holiday Party was gross? I guess the half bob could be considered
0: gross. If you dance. Hey, this is just me, Adam. But You think I diarrhea think, in a uniform is gross? I think mass death is gross, eh. personally. That's just me. Doesn't really move my needle. That's just a, a position I take uh-huh. on that kind of thing.
2: <laughs> it's about time you took a stand on that. <laughs>
0: People have been asking. So uh, this is set in the TNG era, and hey, was I a little bit disappointed that it wasn't the D being animated flying around in the Star Trek logo at the beginning? Yes. Was I happy to see the D in orbit of this planet? Also, yes.
2: You know what that decision makes me think is that uh, your idea that it might have been a hand-drawn recreation of the open might be accurate. And it might have just been too much work to recreate it for multiple ships.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) we're lucky they spent the resources to do any of this stuff. So, yeah. I mean, we'll, what would we even be talking about right now, Adam?
2: It's exciting to have a TNG version of this format, and it's neat to see the art style for the D. It's cool to see the art style of Riker and Doctor Beverly. It's great they yeah. uh, they beam down with a third, a third random, to do first contact with an alien that just got their warp drive to work, and these aliens have big ol' heads, they wear sandals to work, and their science room, their science lab, is covered
0: in boogers.
2: <laughs> we believe boogers represent our essence and bind us to
1: all things.
0: One of the things I love about this, though, is that you don't know what that is. It just looks like the background, initially. Mm-hmm. And one of them like reaches out to, to shake Riker's hand upon learning that there is life in the universe, and he, he gets a, a booger on his finger before he does it.
1: Uh, is something wrong?
0: Well, uh... <laughs> and you realize at this moment, uh, when another one like wipes a booger on something, that these guys are fucking gross as hell, and they wipe their boogers everywhere, and that's what the pattern is in this, in this room. It's on everything. It's on their instruments. It's on the walls. It's on the floors. I guess it's not on their, their freshly created warp core yet, but it's only a matter of time, right?
2: I really like the whole point of this. And this is something that I think Lower Decks did really well with the Duplers, mm-hmm. is make it clear that like not all first contacts, not all contacts at all are positive experiences. Sometimes they're awkward. Sometimes the aliens you're working with are annoying or disgusting. And that's the case here. These these aliens, I don't think, get a name. But their walls are covered in boogers. Their hands are unwashed. Ugh. Their enthusiastic leftover fish microwavers.
1: We must celebrate with our national dish.
2: <laughs> oh, and the reality TV. Ugh. <laughs> Come on. Hey, wait a second. Are these guys me? I don't believe that you microwave your leftover fish at the workplace, but I
0: don't know. How else am I going to reheat it? Do you have a microwave in your studio? No, just in the just in the house. Do you have a mini fridge in your studio? I don't. I have a mini fridge that we recently liberated from the garage of my in-laws because mm-hmm. it, I guess it was my wife's when she was in college and then... It was her little brothers when he was in college uh-huh. and then has been sitting fallow in their, uh, in their garage ever since. And so I've, I have no idea if it even works. It's just, it's now sitting in my garage doing nothing as it once was in their garage doing nothing. Is it still taped shut with a label
2: that says, do not open? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was tempted to plug it in. We had like a like a backyard party for my baby's first birthday a while back. And I thought that... It might be a good, like kind of a funny alt to uh, having a cooler full of beers out there is just to plug a, a fridge in outside.
2: Mini fridge always seems like a good idea.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I should do it. It's just, it's so ugly. It's like, it's white plastic and the plastic has gone all yellow. And I was like, this is going to mess up the aesthetics. A cooler on a on a back patio looks great. A yellowed plastic fridge is not going to look great.
2: That's the thing that the, the Smeg company did really well, right?
0: Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. really
2: nice-looking refrigerator.
0: Speaking of Smeg, I'm sure these guys also don't watch their foreskins on their dicks, and these aliens are disgusting. And oh, when... Uh, Jesus, Ben. <laughs> did I outgross the episode?
2: <laughs> that was the grossest thing.
0: <laughs> I couldn't Jeez. believe that there was a brand called Smeg, and it was a... Food preservation brand. <laughs> oh, they also sell toasters. <laughs> <laughs> you think this is Ensign Hazmat that beamed down with uh, Riker and Beverly?
2: I kept waiting for them, because there's that moment where, where Dr. Beverly and Riker are kind of whispering to each other about, like... They're kind of, like, daring each other to to go through with this first contact. Right. I thought for sure... The third guy was going to be the victim. Like, Riker's not going to shake hands. No way. But the third guy will. Yeah,
0: yeah. And Sin Hazmat, you do it. They all but ignore this guy. He, he has no lines. All he does is react. He's he's there to do face acting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a real quandary. Like, how do we respect the customs? And like, Are some customs not respectable, though? This is the
2: question that I had when I was watching this scene. Because, like... They are so grossed out by this, understandably. But like, what is a custom versus what is just poor hygiene?
0: I mean, that's a great question. Uh, famously, like in the Temple of Doom, there's the the lady that's going around with Indiana Jones and they get fed gross food by the the local, you know, populace of... Whatever part of India is this the monkey brain scene? Yeah, but also like that when they're in the poor village, they get offered food, and she thinks that's gross too, and it, uh-huh. like it's a scene that like ages horribly. I mean i I think it's a scene that's meant to make her look like an asshole, but it also just makes it look like she doesn't eat the food of of like any foreigners, basically, and that's sort of the quandary that right here in Beverly are in, but it's like so much further over the line. Than just food, I'm not used to. It's like it's stuff that we are like trained from a young age to treat as taboo and and revolting.
2: Well, I mean, very specifically, there is a scene of food doctoring where snot is used as a sauce for this microwave fish.
0: That guy can really shoot a rocket too, because it like coils up like a poop emoji on the fish. Yeah. Bleh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: can't be blamed for not wanting to eat this (laughs) customary meal
0: you're seasoning your fish with a snot rocket (laughs) what the hell is the food safety department on this planet even doing you're gonna get shut down
2: I got the good people of United Handkerchief to give your entire staff (laughs) snot rags so that this kind of thing is never gonna happen
0: again Alien boogers contain a high quantity of salt, lending umami and richness to the fish flavor. However, they also contain alien pathogens that the human immune system may not be used to. That's why health departments all over the country ban the use of alien snot as a fish accompaniment.
2: Shut it down! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, When was the last time you remember, like, you sit down to a meal with, like, a friend's family cooking it, or like a stranger, and you were like, I can't do this. Like either (laughs) the cooks are bad. I'm not talking about in a restaurant. I'm talking about like someone provided a meal for you. It did not agree with you on some level. Like that's such an acute awkwardness. Yeah. Like that hasn't happened to me very often.
0: It was like a thing going over to friends' houses when I was a kid, I think, a lot more than it is now. Do you think that stopped happening as an adult because of bad experiences as a kid? Maybe. I think also maybe now people that can't cook know they can't cook and don't try.
2: Yeah, people are far more willing to order takeout for a guests over for dinner situation than I think ever would have happened when we were little.
0: Yeah, so... I wonder if that's a part of it. I mean, Lord knows I have been over a friend's house to eat and the food just ain't no good. I mean, the peas are soggy, the bread's stale, and the chicken tastes like wood. Mm
2: -hmm. That'll happen to anyone. So, Riker shoots the warp drive.
0: Yeah. Just moments after it's activated. Rocketing them back into the pre-warpness of their civilization. That was their only one. That's all it takes. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, ping us when you have another one.
1: Better, yeah, we'll call you.
0: Hey, when it comes to inventing warp drives, one is none. cauliflower head aliens.
2: I wonder if that's part of the thinking for first contact is you you should probably wait for the second one to come online, right?
0: yeah yeah one one could be a fluke. you gotta treat it that way. um, man, do you think that when they materialize on the transporter pad? back up on the D, they just like disrobe immediately and throw everything in the, in the furnace.
1: it into the fire! Yeah,
2: I really think they do. I would not feel clean after this for a very long time.
0: Take a Silkwood Sonic shower.
2: Yeah. Turn it up all the way. Oof. You like this episode, Ben?
1: The greatest trick.
0: I did like this episode. I laughed and laughed at how revolting it was. And I really salute uh Frakes and uh Gates McFadden for being good sports about doing something as nasty as this one.
2: (laughs) Yeah, especially because, you know, their their work in Picard was so straight and serious. Like their willingness to do something funny and weird, I think, is admirable and cool. And I think it says a lot about them in a positive way. Totally. This is also the first very short treks that made fun of the aliens instead of the crew people, like centering them as the butt of the joke. (laughs) Because I think the, the first episode definitely makes the Pete Holmes character the location for the joke. And the second one definitely makes Spock the boob. But this one most definitely makes the aliens the bad guys there. And I thought that was an interesting choice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fun one. Do should we do Larkins like as we go through these, or do you want to save them all for the end? Oh, uh, did you did you find yourself an Edward Larkin for this one? I think I'm going to give it to uh, Inton Hazmat, who I'm assuming that that third person that beams down with them is. Uh, <laughs> I feel like watching this through the second time. I, I was just really drawn to the way they animated that character, like realizing that he's been like touching the hand railing surrounding the wharf core and like you know, drawing it back like, oh God, oh no. And like he's just there for looks of realization and horror. And yeah. uh he really made me laugh as a guy. So he's my Edward Larga.
2: Yeah, he's he's Ensign React for sure. I'm just gonna make it this alien species for me. The sandals. Are Such a minor thing But they just say so much In a moment like this (laughs) Like these are scientists Wearing sandals to the lab Yeah I just I think that's great As a choice
0: (laughs) Well uh Why don't we move on To the next one What do you say?
2: Ben this one's called Holograms All the Way Down And It was Written by Friend of DeSoto Aaron Waltke Would you look at that
0: Yeah, real fun uh, that they threw him one of these writing assignments. We start with the NX-01 Enterprise from Star Trek Enterprise in space. And Trip Tucker doing a voice. Is that who that is? That's, uh, yeah, that's the...
2: uh, I don't know these people.
0: That's the Connor Trenier character.
2: Uh Uh-huh. It's under attack, but uh, before... The battle goes very far Riker and Troy Walk into frame And Freeze the program
0: Which Spoiler alert Is a bit About a thing That actually happens In Star Trek Enterprise
2: Yeah Even I'm aware of this This is the okay. The much maligned Ending of the series
0: But I think it'll be Smooth sailing From here on out The drawing of Riker In profile Really tripped me out <laughs> How's that? I don't know why. He just looked so strange to me compared to the... I mean, like, it reads as Frakes in in all but this profile for me. Hmm. Uh, I I don't know. I'm not quite sure they nailed it there. I think that's an
2: interesting observation because, like, as an exercise to draw modern characters in the animated series way would mean that you're trying to do good, but not great. Right. Because that's all the animated series was originally. So like, when I think of that moment you're describing, I'm like, well, yeah, we've got extremely talented artists doing this, but they're being told, don't do the best you can, like try to do the version of it instead of like, being photorealistic or whatever in terms of your animation. And that's such an interesting bit of direction, isn't it?
0: It's work in the style of, and that's something that they achieve really well, I think. But uh, yeah. also in this episode in particular, it's interesting because they're trying to work in the style of, but sell like what happens in TNG or Deep Space Nine when the background of the holodeck disappears, because this happens over and over again. And that... like this part was shot against a green screen and the and the holodeck environment is a plate that they're replacing, you know, from scene to scene. Like the Star Trek, the animated series Arts style Hell doesn't have a lot of tools in its uh, toolbox for selling a green screen effect <laughs> as, a, as a thing that's happening, you know? There are
2: 10 layers to this. We keep it's it's sort of like that scene in Star Trek: First Contact where we just pull back and back and back and back. Yeah. Because we pull out of these programs over and over and over again, <laughs> and we meet a ton of people along the way, and that makes it fun.
0: Yeah, the second one is is Quark and Garrick talking about this being mm-hmm. propaganda
1: root beer floaties.
0: It's going to be used to bring Romulans into the Dominion War. It's pretty great, like the depiction of Quark
2: looking the way he does, because there's a finite amount of colors to Star Trek, the animated series. So it's not like you can use gradient for his eyes. Like you have to use purple or whatever they use here <laughs> instead of a darker shade, because that's one of the colors you get to use on the animated series. And it works, right? I thought that was, that was so interesting.
0: Yeah, it was cool. So this one freeze frames to lower decks, and uh, this is the one moment where the art style is basically exactly the same as it is in uh, its native environment. Yeah,
2: what do you think of that choice? Because when we see the Prodigy folks and we see the lower deckers, they're in their original art style.
0: Yeah. Well, like the Prodigy folks almost to me looked like these were illustrations from something about prodigy and they like they didn't have to move that much so they didn't have to like you know i don't think that they had a walk cycle or anything it was just like blinking eyes and commentary
2: yeah like they're from the comic book or something
0: yeah and also you know in lower decks the couple of times they've like referenced things from the animated series they've like shown on screen like original animated series artwork and artwork in that style so i guess it's Sort of in keeping with a, a lower-decks theme, mm-hmm. that these two things are intercompatible.
2: Yeah, we freeze program with Sulu from the animated series original. We freeze program from Saru and from Hammer and from Neelix <laughs> until finally, there's a freeze program from a gross combination of Riker, Trip Tucker, to Paul Spock and Uhura. <laughs> A monstrous character wearing one bulging uniform.
0: Yeah. The tailoring on that, just mind-blowing. To have a shirt that has to accommodate four boobs across five chests.
2: Yeah. And we're left to consider whether or not this is the computer that has done this the entire time. Yeah. Computer, freeze program. You are the computer. Who are you talking about? Was it the computer? Was it a good short episode, Ben? And you people, you're all astronauts.
0: It was a great short episode. Very cool that a friend of the podcast, Aaron Waltke, snuck a little reference to our show in, uh, <laughs> into, this, into this episode of Very Short Tracks. How do you think you did that? Well, Aaron texted us About a tweet from back in the day. Uh, Greatest Trek had a tweet that said, It's holograms all the way down when Dal makes a Star Trek timelines crew for the Kobayashi Maru and Captain Chakotay is found in Hollow Janeway's repressed memories. This was a tweet that we did about Star Trek Prodigy when we were reviewing new episodes of season one of that show. It's stuck in his mind. He says, I'm 90% sure this tweet stuck in my brain and inspired the title for my very short track.
2: That is amazing. (laughs) We made it, Ben. This is as good as it's going to get for us. Yeah. This is the peak. Confirmed inclusion in the Star Trek universe on YouTube (laughs) (laughs) as a very short Trek's title. (laughs) I'm really psyched about that. Thanks to Aaron Walkie for (laughs) <laughs> for using us as inspiration What an honor I like the episode too It made me think of that psychological experiment though Like what if all of this is a simulation Yeah You ever take that that philosophy class? <laughs> really kind of broke my brain Yeah I think about it all the
0: time I audited the class, I didn't actually take it
2: Yeah, yeah I mean at no point in that class Was there ever the argument from the From the try hard student that was like uh, yeah, but what if this is a simulation inside a simulation? <laughs> I'm gonna take my answer over in the hub.
1: Get a life!
0: And teacher's just like, I don't know, you say computer and program twice. Yeah. Uh.
2: We may never know
0: if this is a simulation. Yeah. Adam, did you have an Edward Larkin in this very short trek? <laughs>
2: Look, for lack of having a nomination that's definitive in any way, I mean, Neelix is always a safe choice. <laughs> so I'm going to make my Neelix, uh, for that reason, that very flimsy reason. What about you?
0: I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join you on the Neelix square. I, I was tempted to give it to the five-headed multi-ranked Star Trek person standing next to Neelix's bed, but, uh, it was such a delight to see Neelix's uh, shining face. So fun to go back to Voyager. Yeah. I think you're right about this one. It's clear in this short treks that Neelix sleeps right next to
2: the window. Yeah. Is that something that you could do were you to to live on Voyager? I feel like it's bad feng shui
0: starship wise.
2: Sometimes you don't have any choice where you live, like where that the head of the bed is gonna be.
0: I guess so. But
2: I've never had head of the bed next to a window.
0: Yeah, I think that um, mainly the reason I'm, th- I'm saying that is that Captain Picard's bed is orthogonal to the window. Yeah. And I feel like that's better than what Neelix has here. Like, I feel like having the window behind you is good. Having the window alongside you feels feels weird and bad.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that would be
0: unusual. Yeah. I guess that's kind of how it is in my bedroom, though. I don't know. My house is bad, though. (laughs) Nobody should base their room design on my house. (laughs) We're here at Benjamin R. Harrison's
2: house for our latest season. We've got a very upset wife who refuses to be on camera, so what we've got here is just bed.
0: Yeah, I sent the application in uh, without asking, and she's pretty mad at me. We'll see if the marriage lasts throughout the season. What we've got here is a very old house built in 1924, and uh, they didn't bring their best in 1924 when they put this one up. So this is pretty clearly a teardown, then? (laughs) (laughs) I found a hole in my wall yesterday.
2: You've just been walking around your house... Not recognizing a hole in your wall? Where was the hole? Oh. Was it like leading to your neighbor's
0: house? No, there was like a lamp not going on. And I pulled the couch back from the wall to like get a look at the outlet that the lamp was supposed to be plugged into. And there was one of those, uh, you know, in-wall power strips where it's like mm-hmm. you you plug it in and you get three plugs on one side and three plugs on the other side.
2: Yeah, so I you love you can plug those. a lot of
0: things in. Uh-huh. So I guess... One of those had had something plugged into it at some point that isn't plugged into it anymore that was a little wide of either side of the wall wart. And somebody had like, this is all supposition, but I think somebody like sat down on the couch and pushed it back in, and the wall was so fragile that it just punched a hole right (laughs) through the plaster. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) And uh, I didn't know about it until last night, so... Now I gotta go to the, down to the home center and get a drywall patcher packet. Oh, those are fun.
2: Yeah. So much fun to use those. <laughs> we need to score a
1: lot of laughs fast. Licensed
0: I spent a lot of last week sick in bed. And one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was factor meals. Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times, and they are delicious, fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted meals. And they're ready to go just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, smoothies, grab-and-go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use code TREK50 to get 50% off. That's code TREK50 at factormeals.com slash TREK50 to get 50% off.
2: What do you think of when you think of male grooming? Maybe it's a sharp haircut and a little bit of product. Or a bit of the old beard wax twisted into the ends of a mustache. Maybe it's a shower, a shave, a little spritz of fragrance. Me? I think of shaving my nuts. And not just my nuts, all around those nuts. I'm talking all around those nuts. And this form of male grooming is hard to do when your junk looks like a log of Play-Doh rolled through a dustpan in a barber shop. It's wrinkly, it's wriggly, nothing stays in place, and it's the one area where you don't want to have an accident. That's why I'm glad we're sponsored by the Spring Cleaning Champions at Manscaped. They sent me their brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It's their fifth generation trimmer, featuring two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little bit off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth, wherever your heart desires. They also sent me an extra-large Manscaped t-shirt, which I will never wear, but it was nice of them to do. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in your pants. Hi, Adam Pradica here for Podshop.biz. The easy way to dress, drink, and decorate virtually anything fast with embarrassment that lasts. Podshop.biz is not a cult and it's not a multi-level marketing scheme. It's a supercharged carousel of crap spinning at a high rate of speed for all your dorky needs. Ordinary web stores are a mess, but with Podshop.biz, you'll find products from all of our shows referring to many of our most popular bits. Shirts, glasses, and bags from other websites can damage your mood, but not with Podshop.biz. Our nerdy jokey bullshit will rebuild your damaged attitude and turn you into a person with riz. Turn your laptop from off the shelf to off the hook with a sticker. Make pool time cool time with our line of hilarious swimwear. And stop raw-dogging your smartphone. Strap it up with a choice of designs that'll have you go from saying hello to hello. But that's not all. At Podshop.biz you can choose from the Brenner Information Systems Collection, the Uxbridge Shimoda Corporate Collection, This Old Enterprise, logos for Greatest Generation and Greatest Trek, and more. Order now at podshop.biz.
1: Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker owned co op. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly incredibly fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly
0: in your podcast app.
1: And at maximumfun.org. i too old for your old Young
2: minds, fresh ideas. Last very short treks here, Ben, it's called Walk, Don't Run, written by Casper Kelly, directed by Aaron Hawkins. This begins in a very unusual way, and in a way that really tells the viewer what this has all been about. This has Mm -hmm. been a celebration of the animated series, in case you've forgotten. (laughs) And Tendi is sort of the host of this celebration, uh, doing her take straight to camera. She's self-aware enough to know of her place in a television show. (laughs) And that's interesting.
0: Yeah. And, you know, who knows if that's true of her on Lower Decks or what.
2: This is also a callback to the very first episode, right? Where something innocent is taken as an insult. Yeah. Because she's trying to be very praiseworthy of the animated series and its characters, but it is taken very poorly.
0: They do not like being told that they were the ones that walked so she and the lower deckers could run. We've got Scotty, the three-armed, three-legged alien guy. I'm great at running. And the cat lady taking great umbrage with Tendi. What's her name? Mres? Mres. Mres. Mm. Rest. What are you trying to say? Oh, man. I, Carlos Alazraki played Scotty and did a great job with the voice. Our show invented the holodeck, lassie. I love that guy. I don't know who that is. He was one of the guys on Reno 911. You would definitely recognize him. Very uh, very talented comedic performer.
2: All right. There are a lot of flashbacks in this very short tricks Using already existing footage from lower decks especially... With a special emphasis on the orgy scene, and this really sets off the animated series characters. I got your orgy
1: scene right here.
2: It was just a short What it sets off is an, is sort of the beginning of an orgy
0: of their own. I don't know if you watch this like directly on the browser version of YouTube, but they have that thing where there's like a little, a little graph that shows like where people watched the mm-hmm. episode the most or where they clicked the most. And that orgy scene had a big old spike <laughs> on the player. That's uh, what I watched this. I thought it was great.
2: I've watched this so many times that I think there's also a little spike during the scene where Omrest takes off her bra.
0: Oh yeah. That's uh <laughs> don't, Shoot a uh, blacklight at that spike (laughs) You don't want to be horrified by what Adam has done This isn't the entire descent that this
2: episode takes It goes even further when things devolve into a musical number that features Riker on trombone And Sulu on both washboard and keyboard Hit it, Scotty!
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh... Kind of a and band. Well I didn't write down what the what the genre of music they called it was.
2: Oh you're talking about post-mainframe acid Cardassian 10 forward core? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah, that was what it was.
2: Yeah. Pretty solid. As a line. As a genre of music, though. Is this song good? It's fine. <laughs> Here's what I'll say. This is the longest very short treks and that's because the song is very long. Yeah. And for for a comedy genre that uses the edit so deftly for comedy, I kept waiting for the edit to come. And I think that's probably on me as a viewer, right? Like I was like, where would you stop this for comedy? And I it made me stop concentrating on the lyrics or what's going on in frame. Yeah. And I think I ruined it for myself, is what I'm saying.
0: It is weird and wild musical number done with all of the sincerity of weird and wild musical number. It is not a bit. It's not Yeah. It's not a hard edit.
2: I wonder to what extent like binge watching all of these made me do that to myself. Like if if you just watch this in isolation the week it came out, maybe its sincerity hits differently than like. At the end of a 20-minute binge session where everything has just crushed.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's also just kind of an excuse to show a whole bunch of clips from Star Trek the animated series and to right. a lesser extent lower decks. Yeah. And it I think it was just meant as kind of a love letter to animation and Star Trek. And uh in that way, like the sincerity works for me, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, it was like. Before we recorded, I was like, "I feel like the last one is the one I have the least to say about, because it I just <laughs> there's not much to it,
2: yeah, in that way, yeah, but there's there was never any stated promise of comedy as a genre. The only promise was was the style of the animated series, which in itself was not a comedy, yeah, like yeah. it was sincere.
0: And and like weirdly dark and serious for being a Saturday morning cartoon. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Darker and more serious in a lot of ways than Star Trek, the original series, live action. Right. This one ends a lot like the first one ends with uh, Klingon D7s probably destroying the ship. I mean, mm-hmm. it seems like the ship is getting destroyed. We don't see a definitive like, Cut to the wide shot destruction of the ship the way we saw yeah in uh, in episode one of very short treks but uh, there's there's an explosion happening on the bridge and uh, I I think we can do the math but did you like this episode? She'll always bring it
2: home. I liked Noelle Wells' singing voice, like she really brought it. Yeah, in the in the harmonizing at the end, I thought she really sounded great.
0: Yeah, I agree with that for sure.
2: I liked it the least for its comedy, but but that's because it, I don't believe it set out to do that. I would say my favorite part was Imre's.
0: <laughs> yeah, getting the bra off was pretty exciting.
2: Yeah, she's my favorite.
0: <laughs> what about you, Ben? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, this. Probably does succeed at what it set out to achieve. And so for that reason, like I have a hard time knocking it. But yeah, again, like less to my taste than the other ones in Leah. I like the booger one, you know, like that's, that's to my taste.
2: <laughs> that is a sentence construction I did not enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> How about uh, an Edward Larkin for this one, Ben? Oh,
0: I got to give it to Mres because uh, I was shocked to see only two cups on that bra.
2: Yeah. I'm going to give mine to Sulu because he takes his shirt off at mm-hmm. the end. That seems unnecessary, but it's fun.
0: It is nice.
2: Because look at these abs. Guy's rocking bod. I would say just in summation, like, if you were to ask me, did I like this entire series? Absolutely. I think it's really worth watching. And it's really... A fast watch if you were to sit down and take it all in for like the 18 minutes that I think it's collected runtime becomes. Yeah. Really quick, really funny. The art style is great. A great celebration of the animated series, a a, a series of Star Trek that you and I have talked about on occasion, uh, mostly in the bonus feed of this very show. But yeah, yeah I thought it was great. I think like the ultimate review is would I want to see more of this? And I absolutely do like a thousand percent. I want to see more of this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it's worth doing and I hope they feel that this was a successful experiment. I mean, the the amount of likes and thumb ups that it got is a little bit worrying to me that it might not get another crack, but uh, I'm glad it happened at the very least.
2: Yeah, thanks to everyone who put in the work to make this happen. Like, uh, we love fun little projects like that. Yeah. And uh, I think one reason we do is that uh, this was a fun little project a long time ago,
0: and look at what it became. A chain around our necks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, Adam, uh, do you want to see if we have anything in the Priority One inbox for this episode of Greatest Trek?
2: Much like the very short treks, I really like the Priority One messages and I hope they
0: keep making them.
1: Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel.
0: Our first Priority One message today is of a promotional nature and it goes like this I'm a teacher at Battle Creek, a Title I school in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm trying to take as many of our 200 eighth graders to Washington, D.C. as I can. But Big St. Paul isn't letting us fundraise during school hours. Our educational tour company is charging $2,000 per student, which is prohibitive for most of our families. The kids are looking at this opportunity the way Chakotay looks at Janeway. So I can't even guess at how many snapped pencils currently litter the floor of my classroom. Donate at bit.ly Battle Creek Trip. That's B-A-T-T-L-E-C-R-E-E-K-T-R-I-P. That's bit.ly slash Battle Creek Trip. I really hope folks donate, and I also really hope that at some point in the future, our education system just has enough money for awesome stuff like this. It took growing up
2: to realize how many other kids had opportunities like this. I went to schools that... Never had field trips like this at all. Like Minneapolis to Washington, D.C.? That's that's intense. That's a big trip for a kid. And uh, I never got to take field trips across state lines. Like (laughs) it was a trip to the zoo or something. That was as good as we could get. And I always had a blast on those. But I think it's great that teachers try to make these... Opportunities available to their students, and I, I hope in this case this is something that isn't a no forever, and uh, maybe with a little help we can turn that no into a yes. I sure hope so. Uh, let's get some kids to DC. Ben, our second priority one message is from Captain Lizoto. Hi, Captain Lizoto. <laughs> it is to the It BNA. murdered. Their message goes like this: I've arrived in a strange experimental prototype community of tomorrow, where Mark Twain has come to me in a fever dream of tequila. Oh no! Don't stop believing! He drawls. I wonder what is it that I couldn't stop believing? Is it the dream of the Coconono the hoof, or perhaps the Rope Master? The world may never know.
0: <laughs> oh boy fun to think about yeah sounds like uh, captain lesoto is having a great epcot party
2: you know just hearing the word rope master made me think about stlv and mm-hmm. how i pine for those days once again
0: <laughs> can't wait to go back <laughs> yeah man uh looking forward to that for sure Thanks to everyone who got a Priority One message on today's episode. If you'd like to uh, do something for a good cause, like raise money to get a bunch of kiddos to D.C., or just, uh, you know, drunk text your friend over the Internet, you can head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron to make that happen.
2: One last thing before we go. We're getting a message from a warning boy, Ben.
0: Oh, yeah. So this is the segment at the end of every episode of our show in which we uh, shout out folks that are saying nice things about us online. Spreading the good word about the, about the program really helps.
1: Prepare a buoy and launch it when ready. Warning, buoys. An emergency buoy. A warning
0: buoy. This one is from uh, friendsofdesoto.social, the Mastodon community. That Friends of DeSoto made themselves and uh is a great place to hang out if you are looking for a social network about a thing you actually care about. And uh you can also federate with other Mastodon instances and do normal other social network stuff, but a great, a great starting point and a, and a super nice and helpful community. Enton West Sacker Sent a message to at greatest trek on there and said, When are we getting greatest rescue, a bar rescue rewatch podcast? <laughs> Even in the Max Fun bonus feed, I need more taffer impressions and this old enterprise. Also, love Santa Monica Mountains and Factory Seconds. Oh, I like that idea a lot. Yeah, we yep. should do that. Put it in the mix. We're always trying to think of uh, fun things to mix in with our bonus episode content. Some of them are regular. Things like uh, Santa Monica Mountains when we review old episodes of Baywatch and Factory Seconds when Adam and I go have lunch at the Cheesecake Factory and then talk about all the crap we ate. I think that uh, <laughs> I always like kind of wonder like if those are an enticement at all because I don't think that not having heard them, a lot of Friends of DeSoto would necessarily think like, oh yeah, that sounds like something I'd be interested in but basically everybody we hear from that already has the bonus feed because they support the shows. Um, <laughs> like, to universal acclaim, these episodes are are received, I would say. Well, what it tells me is,
2: is the truth that we've always known, which is the hang is the thing. Yeah. It's about making jokes about a weird thing, no matter what that weird thing is.
0: Yeah, and we have a lot of fun doing it, so uh, I sure hope that... Uh, people will give those a listen and maybe we'll uh, we'll have a greatest rescue episode in there sometime soon looking forward to that lord knows
2: there's <laughs> enough material there yeah. how many episodes per season that's another like 30 episode season type of show
0: yeah there's so much about that show that is absolute madness <laughs>
2: <laughs> looking forward to that yeah
0: uh, well, thanks to everyone for uh, keeping with us during the off-season. We've got a great big episode of this show coming up in a couple of weeks, our 250th episode, and uh, Wendy Pretty will tell you a little bit more about it in the credits. Amazing. 250. Yeah. Take it from here, Wendy.
1: Greatest Trek is an Oxford Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. It's hosted by Ben Harrison and Adam Pranica, and it's produced and edited by Wendy Pretty. In two weeks, Ben and Adam will be back with the 2023 Larkin Award show for all of the new Trek that came out this year, and you are definitely not going to want to miss that. At the end of each episode, we want to thank all the great people who help make this show possible, especially the MaxFun members who support on a monthly basis. Members get access to the entire catalog of MaxFun bonus content, plus the new bonus episodes that are coming out monthly. You can set up a membership at MaximumFun.org slash join, and we really appreciate it. Thanks to Adam Argusia, who composed all of the original music for this show. You can find his YouTube cooking channel and podcast by searching for Adam Ragusea. Thanks to Nick Dittmore for creating the show art, and thanks to Bill Tilly for managing all of the At Greatest Trek social media pages. Make sure you follow one of those and use the hashtag Greatest Trek to connect with other friends of DeSoto online. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks on Greatest Trek.
0: Three, two, one.
1: (laughs) Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows supported directly by you.